No vacation for you. COVID-19 tries to cancel employee time off. Patrick Peters and James Verdi from Jackson Lewis explain. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking about some baked-in concerns and potential liabilities due to COVID-19 in the workplace. And specifically, what we're talking about today is vacation time and travel locations. And so the primary concern is that employees, when they go off to a vacation, might bring coronavirus back to their places of work and hence create some problems and liabilities for their place of work. And so what do you do? Are you as an employer now forced to never let your employees travel to remote locations? And uh, can you even ask them to do that? And, you know, what are the employee responsibilities for that too? So obviously tricky issue, but the good news is we have two fantastic guests joining us today from the law firm of Jackson Lewis. I want to welcome Patrick Peters and James Verdi to the show. Welcome gentlemen. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. Hi. Thanks. Well, thank you, guys. I know uh, we're getting uh, pretty close to the weekend when we're recording this, so I appreciate y'all jumping on. But, uh, you know, y'all wrote a uh, piece in the National Law Review article that uh, got my my attention. It was titled, Vacation Hotspots, Managing Employee Travel During a Pandemic. And it got me thinking uh, another unintended consequence of the shutdowns for for COVID-19. And so, obviously, the governors and mayors doing what they thought was necessary at the beginning decided to shut down certain industries and businesses to try to prevent the spread of COVID-19. But out of that, these unintended consequences, the difficulties of getting open, opened up another vector of liability. So obviously OSHA and keeping a safe place, COVID-19 is entered. And now employees and employers are a little uncertain of this. And we haven't done this before with H1N1. We have not done this with the regular flu, which are also uh, deadly diseases. But, you know, in all fairness, COVID-19 in this year has definitely killed more people than those diseases have on an annual basis. And so also part of this probably a little sticky is there's an unequal liability between employer and employee. So meaning, you know, an employee comes back with the disease. They don't have the same level of responsibility that the employer does. The employer can't control this. And so what I want to do, Pat and uh, Jim, is start with just the kind of basic liability that a business potentially faces. If one of their employees comes back with COVID-19, infects the place, employees get it, maybe customers get it. Let's start with that. Sure. So I think, you know, most of what we've seen recently with spread of COVID in the workplace falls under workers' compensation, which is a no-fault statute. Prior to COVID, typically contagious diseases were presumed to have been caught or incurred outside the workplace. But now many states are doing the exact opposite. If you got COVID, the presumption is it's through work. You will then be eligible for benefits through workers' compensation. However, there there are a couple of exemptions from workers' compensation for what we call intentional torts. And that means that if you knew or substantially knew, or it was substantially certain that you were subjecting your employees to COVID-19 or any other deadly disease, um, you could be held even further, you could be held for a penalty, which in Ohio, for example, falls under what's called a VSSR, or there can be an intentional tort claim. So the risk to an employer is just as you said, Lawrence, the employee travels, picks up the disease, brings it back to the workplace, and now we have you know, potential exposure not just to our employees, which would be fall under the workers' comp statute or those exceptions outside that statute, or to your point, the customers, or if we are a business of people facing business, you may also have potential claims. And so it's in keeping and to keep the doors open so that the CDC or the health departments 
don't shut you down, limiting that risk is definitely in the employer's best interest. Well, and you all in your article, you, you were uh, more or less referring to manufacturing and production businesses, which I think are easy to visualize. You've got people working there. They have to be there. It's not one of these uh, businesses that can have remote workers working from their home offices. And so it got me thinking, you know, in addition to production and manufacturing, there are other types of business like grocery stores where people have to be there in person. But uh, what are some of the other types of businesses that you've come in contact with that would in particularly, I guess, be vulnerable to this type of vacation policy if someone were to come back with COVID-19? And that could really occur in any sort of setting, right, where you cannot appropriately socially distance. So it could happen in an office place where you've got three employees coming and one returns from an area where there's increased community spread. So it could certainly impact just a general office place. But of course, grocery stores, transportation, production lines, like we, like we talked about, restaurants, all of those areas and industries do have some exposure here. And really the issue that employers have to address is what's the right solution for them on how to address COVID-19 in their workplace. So you can see it really, it's not like it picks on one industry. Obviously, manufacturing, restaurants, grocery stores have those specific issues where employees have to be present. But even a smaller workforce that can't have social distancing in place faces the same concern as those manufacturers. Risk assessment. And so, you know, just the way I look at COVID-19 coming back from these closures, I, I look at this as a, uh, a properly should be a partnership between not just the employer and the employee, but also the investors that are, that are behind the business. And so, you know, everybody needs that business to be open. Employees need their job. Employers need their employees there. They need to have uh, their operations open. Investors need to have their investments performing. Obviously, I think everybody's on the same side. They want to reduce risk. And so in your travels, in your experience, you know, what are some good sources for both employees and employers to look at when it comes to assessing the risk of uh, potential vacation spots? Well, there are certain, every state, well, not every state, but several states have enacted mandatory quarantines if you travel to certain states. New York and New Jersey, Connecticut all have a list of states. Ohio was on the list for um, New York for several weeks, and then the list is updated constantly. But because the Ohio positivity rate has fallen below, the requirement has, has since fallen off, but it could be back on. So it's constantly changing what government is telling us, where you can go, what you have to do if you go there. And in Ohio, when there are bans on travel to certain hotspots, there's a mandatory quarantine period when you come back. So that would be number one is, is there a requirement from the government that says if you travel to a certain place, you're going to have to quarantine. So the employer, even if you're not concerned, maybe the person's traveling to a remote beach where they're not going to be around anybody and the risk is fairly low, but there's a requirement from the government that that person then quarantines when they come back delves into the question of who pays for that leave, if anybody, which is a very complicated question. But in terms of resources and guides, check your state, check the CDC, check the State Department, which which has advisories on international travel and has been reported many other countries are banning travel from the United States given our COVID numbers. So all that stuff is constantly changing, but that's where I would go to assess the risk. 
And I want to ask a uh, quick follow-up on that. Uh, you mentioned quarantine states, and this has been a matter of curiosity for me. And so obviously there's some states out there, I'm sure people have read the news, and I think New York is probably one of the more prominent examples where there's a 14-day quarantine period for people coming back into the state. And some of that, I believe, is based on where they were. And so that quarantine is not optional, it's mandatory. So anybody coming back to the state of New York has to go into the self-quarantine for 14 days before they're allowed to come out. And so if your business exists in a state like New York and one of your employees leaves and say they go for a five-day vacation down in Florida, right, on the beach, they come back. Now they got that 14 days have to sit out. You mentioned who pays for that. So I guess that's my question. Who pays for that? Can you ask the employee to burn up more of their vacation time? Or is that something that the employer just needs to eat as far as a bill? So that's a great question. And that's one of the most complicated issues that an employer is going to face, especially if they have operations in multiple states, because the pay issue is really driven a lot by state law. And New York has two separate state travel restriction and state quarantine leave laws. So if you have an order to quarantine in New York, an actual order from a medical provider, then New York provides 14 days, two weeks worth of pay for quarantine. But there is an exception if you travel to one of the restricted states on New York's travel list. And that state's got to be on that travel list before an employee leaves for their travel. This is, it's complicated and it changes from state to state. In fact, even New York has some exceptions for essential workers that employers need to be aware of. So the, the really, when you're talking about what must employers do, you've got to look primarily at the state law and see if there's been any legislation directly addressing this. From there, if you do have an order to quarantine, you could be eligible, again, depending on your business, for emergency paid sick leave under the FFCRA. Or if the FFCRA doesn't apply, you're going to have to look at your own employer handbook and policy. So you're going to want to review state law federal law, depending on the size of your business, and then your own handbook to make sure you're complying with your own practices and you're not treating anyone differently to protect yourself against any other claims that are available. Well, before we get into safety protocols, I did want to ask about sort of the the privacy issue that these types of policies could possibly bring up. And so the privacy issue being how extensive is the right of the employer to ask where an employee is going on their own time? And then does the employee, can are they legally within their rights to refuse to answer that without fear of being fired? And so I bring this up because we are getting into a political season and possibly a, an employee may not want to answer those questions because they may be going to a DNC event or an RNC event or some type of political event that they don't want all of their coworkers knowing about. And so they want to maintain some privacy and just simply revealing the location could possibly reveal an affiliation. So what, what are your thoughts on that? So there's a number of states, including California, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, New York, North Dakota, and Washington, that ban an employer from restricting off-duty conduct or having a significant limitation on off-duty conduct. So in those states, employers need to be very mindful that questions just for the reasons that you brought up, which is it may reveal something about their personal activities, their political affiliations, their religion, some other protected classification, or it's just frankly unlawful to to tell an employee what they can and cannot do on their own time. The employer must be mindful if they're operating in those states. However, in most instances, we recommend questions like that are very nuanced and broad and don't invade in that privacy. And they would go to the to the tune of, in the past 14 days, have you traveled outside the state, excluding your commute? And then have you attended events with more than 10 people? Questions like that that are fairly 
you know, benign in terms of what that person was doing will at least allow the employer to assess the risk and assess their own compliance with the state government quarantine orders. Well, let's talk about safety protocols. So I, I recently went to the dentist office and one of the more alarming things that caught me completely off guard was I walked through the door, I'm going into the clinic area and uh, one of the assistants pointed this this uh, like sort of pistol shaped, I guess a thermometer at me and pulled the trigger and it makes a little noise and it was aimed right at my head and it took my temperature. So that scared me a little bit because I wasn't expecting it. But you know, just in terms of that, I know I've, I've read some articles that uh, some places of work were taking people's temperatures when they walk in the door and they're putting up plexiglass and things like that. But uh, what in terms of safety protocol are you recommending for both before and after an employee travels? That is a great question. There's so many things that employers can do. You've really got to take a look at what fits your business and what specifically is, is required in your industry. Because a lot of even the CDC and states have issued guidance now to specific industries. So there is guidance available out there depending on Various industries, and there's even state law, state laws, or state orders that vary on what kind of health screenings are required, what's recommended, and what's optional. Many states are requiring health screenings before employees come into work for those who can't work from home. So that could consist of a temperature check by an employer themselves, or requiring employees to check for symptoms before coming to work. Socially distancing is essentially good practice and highly recommended, if not mandatory in any in-person facility. So employers have to look at modifying their work through either actual engineering protocols and, and physical barriers or administrative controls on limiting how many individuals can come into certain spaces and daily questionnaires. So you've seen really a, a fast and aggressive response by employers in all types of industries to fit their needs. And a lot of them have gotten more and more complicated and detailed and really fit exactly what that industry needs to do. So you've got to look carefully at your industry there. Besides hiring a good attorney from Jackson and Lewis, what resources or documents should in-person business owners be looking at right now in terms of preparing for employee vacations during this time of COVID-19? So I would start, Lawrence, with the state guidance. You know, in most states, it's coronavirus.ohio.gov, insert applicable state. There's a ton of, in Ohio, we call it Responsible Restart Ohio. Um, and there's a lot of applicable information, checklists, FAQs that may point you at least in the right direction. And then resources such as those from OSHA, from the CDC. Jim just mentioned health and safety protocols. There's information from the EEOC about how those can be used to comply with um, disability medical-related inquiries. There's also information from the Department of Labor on whether the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act, as Jim mentioned earlier, may or may not apply. There's also information on whether wage and hour laws might be implicated if you are requiring employees to um, do temperature checks from home before they come into work. So there really is a maze of laws that are all at interplay here, and they all touch on each other. Ultimately, the goal is to keep people safe. And I have a client who always talks about, you know, we'll talk about, you know, discipline and discharge and all those things second, but first has to be safety. So I think you start with the safety, but then you have to also keep in mind to your earlier questions, you know, 
who's paying for it, what rights do the employees have, and what are my obligations as the employer. And there's just a ton of laws out there. They vary by state. They change constantly. The guidance is updated literally daily. So it's really hard to keep it in front of, but I would start with your state government and then go to the CDC, the EEOC, the Department of Labor, and others. And Jim may have some other comments. Pat summed it up great that there's so much out there that employers and business owners have to be aware of and creating checklists and processes and, and having good resources is, is critical to continue checking those. So you really, you might check it in a week, but a week later, you're going to have to recheck. So you've just got to be diligent in, in making sure that you're, you're up to date in your protocols. I would just also add that one of the things Jackson Lewis and several other firms like ours have done is provide a lot of these resources free and available to the public via our website. So if you go to www.jacksonlewis.com, we have a COVID-19 advisor, both a blog and um, an interactive map, which shows a lot of the different state requirements that might be a good place to start. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Patrick and Jim, and thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. It always helps us climb those ranks. And also, we'll cite our sources for this episode, including Patrick and Jim's article in the National Law Review on our website at LegalTalkNetwork.com. That's all the time we have. Have a great day, everybody. 